Again, I'm thankful uh, for the opportunity to be here and certainly have enjoyed myself spiritually and physically. I've enjoyed uh, the preaching. Uh, didn't enjoy the conviction, but I knew in the long run I needed it. <laughs> and so thank you so much for minding the Lord and be praying for the service tonight. Uh, if you would be so kind to pray for me as I will be seeking to head home to Iowa this afternoon, um, that will allow me to be with my family this evening. And of course, Thursday, Friday, I will be going out uh, to Rockford, Illinois, Saturday and Sunday. I'll most likely take the boys with me and we'll enjoy an overnight uh, together, Saturday night youth rally and then preaching Sunday at Berean Baptist um, for uh, Brother Swanson there. Uh, but uh, very eager to see what God is going to do through each and every one of you. And it's a privilege to co-labor with you in Christ and with the Lord. Let's see what God can do in our generation. Amen. And would you open your Bibles with me to the book of Matthew. The book of Matthew. And these verses are going to be springboard into the text. Uh, Matthew 21, verse number 22. By way of introduction here this afternoon, Matthew 21 Verse number 22, I want to share something with you that I personally engage in daily, things that I pray. I know I don't have to give a disclaimer of when I preach a message uh, or things of that nature, but I like to do that as the Lord gives me permission. I think the last time I preached this to a church was in April of last year. I haven't had permission of the Holy Spirit to preach this since then. But uh, earlier this week, the Lord uh, gave me insight uh, that this should be the closing message that I bring this week at this conference, a message entitled, Personal Prayers for Daily Revival. Personal Prayers for Daily Revival. This is something that God has encouraged me with. He's stirred my heart about. He's convicted me about something that I daily live, something that I daily pray. I hope this will be a blessing to you. Let's start here in Matthew chapter number 21, verse number 22, a verse about prayer. The Bible says, and all things, that includes revival, doesn't it? Whatsoever ye shall ask in prayer, believing, ye might receive. I'm so thankful that God gives me a partial guarantee that I might experience the outpouring of glory. I'm not trying to be silly, but that's not what the Bible says. Rather, we have the validity of Scripture, we've got the promise of God, and the Bible boldly declares, and thank the Lord for it, and all things whatsoever ye shall ask in prayer, believing ye shall receive. Let me ask you a question to start this off. Why do we pray? To engage in some sort of religious activity? No. Of course, we know that it's a moment in which we can communicate to the Lord. We can commune with the Lord. It's a time when we can cast our cares upon him. And there's so many other things uh, concerning prayer, calling and crying out to God, various aspects of prayer. But ultimately, why do we pray? Because we believe by faith that he will answer. That's why we pray. When we pray... We ought to pray about everything. God has given us that principle, did he not? Philippians 4, just let me read it, verse number 6. In everything by prayer, God has already given us a permission. And he does not have an asterisk next to the word everything, and then in fine print at the bottom of the page describing what he means by that. It means everything. The big things, the little things. There is no such thing as a little thing to God. If it's a big deal to you, it's a big deal to God. In everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, what does that mean? We're giving God thanks for what we believe he will do through faith and by faith. Amen? 
In everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let or allow, relinquish, bring it before him, let your requests be made known unto God. And what's so wonderful is when we pray about everything, everything becomes involved on a supernatural level. No longer is it on the plane of the physical or the earthly, but now the supernatural has been introduced in this situation. At this crossroads, a prayer request such as a shop broom. (laughs) Then when the answer comes, it becomes a miracle of heaven working in the realm of the physical. It's a beautiful thing. It becomes yet another opportunity to experience the hand of God involved directly with our lives and it gives us an opportunity, an opportunity for us to give him the glory, which is what he deserves. Amen? That's why we ought to pray often, to see the miracles. That was miraculous. Such a trivial thing. But not to the Lord. God was able to do something in a very big way. I stop and I think about revival and how that I daily need the touch of God upon my life. And we think of this verse that we're using uh, and launching forward from all things, whatsoever ye shall ask in prayer, believing ye shall receive. Let's go back a few chapters to Matthew chapter number seven. The Lord expounds on this here in Matthew chapter number seven. Matthew seven, verse number seven down to verse number 11. Again, this is solid scripture and we must, we must just simply take God at his word. Matthew seven, verse number seven, the Bible says, ask, And it, what? Shall. Ask, and it shall be given unto you, given you. Seek, and ye, what? Shall find. Knock, and it, what? Shall be open unto you. Is that a promise? Yes or no? Is that a guarantee? Yes or no? Is God giving you his word? Yes or no? We can experience the answers of heaven. Verse number eight, for everyone that asketh, receiveth. And he that seeketh, findeth. And to him that knocketh, it shall be opened. Or what man is there of you whom, if his son asks bread, will he give him a stone? Or if he ask a fish, he will give him a serpent. If ye then, being evil, know how to give good gifts unto your children, how much more? Those are words worth circling or boxing in your Bible if you do underline or annotate your Bible. How much more? Shall, not might or may, but shall your Father which is in heaven give good things to them that what? Ask him. Let's seek the Lord. Father, we pray that you'd help us in this hour, in this moment. Lord, I ask that you'd give me clarity of thought, articulation of speech. I pray that you clear my mind and I pray that these truths would come forward very concisely, very clearly. Lord, that these simple truths that we'll study from your word would be transformative, that someone would grab a hold of this, and they'd also pray this daily, as I believe you teach us to pray in Scripture, these personal prayers that we'll study for daily revival. May this be another transformative moment in our lives as we journey forward unto thee. Lord Jesus, we ask that in all things that you will have the preeminence. Holy Spirit of God, we ask, and we come humbly and broken once again. Lord, we know that this is our third service, but we're asking for a fresh anointing, a fresh touch, the outpouring of glory. Please, would you do it? Quicken us, Lord. We love you. We look to thee. In Jesus Christ's name we pray, amen. Having laid this foundation, let's now go to 2 Corinthians chapter number four, and this is the text where we'll be for the rest of this time. 
Second Corinthians chapter number four is where these personal prayers for daily revival have been drawn from as the Lord really spoke to my heart about this coming from this passage of scripture. We just wanted to take a few moments and look at some of the things and the promises that Jesus said concerning prayer. Make some observations. To make prayer real as it always ought to be. The promises of prayer rich in our hearts and our minds. And studying here in 2 Corinthians chapter number 4, we can glean from this text and find five personal prayers for daily revival. Notice the Bible says in verse number 1, Therefore, seeing we have this ministry, as we have received mercy, we faint not. We ain't quitting. Amen. We're not throwing in the towel. We're going to keep on keeping on. Notice verse number 2, it transitions, but have renounced. Would you say that word with me? The word renounced, 3, 2, 1. Renounced. One more time. Three, two, one. Renounce. We have renounced. This word renounce means to give up and forbid. We have renounced the hidden things of dishonesty, not walking in craftiness nor handling the word of God deceitfully. What's this talking about? What's encapsulated in verse number two? This prayer, Lord, cleanse me. God, help me to cut the sin out of my life. God, whatever it is that grieves you and hinders you, would you please remove it? I want to proactively journey unto you and perfect holiness in the fear of God, and I desire for you to do this transformative work in my life. The first prayer that must be prayed, I believe, daily and personally to experience revival moment by moment is simply, Lord, cleanse me. God, forgive me my sin. God, the things that my flesh desires to delight itself in and to commit the transgressions and the wickedness and the iniquity, oh God, I pray that you would help me to renounce it, that you would help me, enable me to give it up, to relinquish it, and that it would become something forbidden in my life. I don't touch it, I don't do it. Lord, cleanse me. The Bible says in Proverbs 28, verse number 13, just listen, he that covereth his sins shall not prosper, but whoso confesseth and forsaketh them shall have mercy. And we preached this week about getting right with God. There's been an emphasis of that all through the meetings and all through even the singing. Uh, having a heart, search me, O God. Uh, see if there be any wicked way in me. There's that prayer. Lord, cleanse me. Uh, Lord, and, and remove it out of my life. Lead me in the way everlasting, which dovetails with the message uh, at 11 o'clock. Lord, uh, 10 o'clock. Lord, that you would lead me in the way of truth. Lead me as you would have me to live. As you stop and you think about what's being described here, have renounced the hidden things. You know, the two most dangerous types of sin, I believe, are this. Number one, the sins that I think I'm getting away with. The hidden things. See, nobody knows that you're engaging in that or you're doing that or you're thinking that or you believe that or whatever it is. This message really is a compilation of several truths that we've gleaned from, we've grown from through this week. The hidden things. Dishonest. Which means that I'm putting my best foot forward and I appear one way, but within I am actually not that way if the truth was revealed. The two most types of dangerous sins are the ones that I think that I'm getting away with. By the way, I believe the second category or the second group would be this, the sins that don't bother me anymore. 
the sins that I become calloused and cold unto, and I'm just committing them just because, uh, you know, it's just the who I am and what I've done and, and just part of me. Uh, I stop and I think about guys that uh, say, well, that's just, you know, I just who I am and, you know, abrasive and, and grumpy even and critical and, and uh, contentious and all these type of things. I struggle with anger. That's just who I am. Well, maybe the Lord Jesus Christ is trying to change who you are and you become who he is. Well, you know, I just have an anger problem. I mentioned the other day, frustration is one of my besetting sins. I thank the Lord he gives me victory. But there are times it raises its ugly head and something happens, and I'm not talking about being explosive or vulgar, none of that, but it just grabs a hold of you, you know? And for a moment, it's like a, a horse that's gone wild, if you will, and things, which is a scary thing to experience, and you're on the back of that thing, you're just holding on for dear life. We can have victory, praise the Lord. We've heard that, we believe that, we've prayed that, we're seeking that, we are experiencing that. Sometimes, instead of just coming to a place where we say, well, and we throw our hands up in the air and say, you know what, it is what it is, no. The sin that I think I'm getting away with, the sin that doesn't bother me anymore. The hidden things, Lord, cleanse me. Because the truth of the matter is, and we all know this, God knows and God sees the sin whether other people see the sin or know the sin. Next time you think that, say that, engage in that, whatever it is that, that it might be, the sin, the hidden sin in your life, understand that there is someone there present with you that is grieved. And he'll have nothing to do with it. Psalm 90, let's turn there. Keep your finger on 2 Corinthians 4. I don't want to belabor a service. And I could go ahead and read it. It's in my notes, but I believe there's something about turning to a passage of Scripture and reading it with your own God-given eyeballs. Psalm 90, verse number 8. Psalm 90, verse number 8. Lord, cleanse me. God, you've given me a ministry and you've given me an opportunity to serve you and thank you for your mercy. We won't quit, but I need daily revival, these personal prayers. Lord, cleanse me is the one right off the bat. Psalm 90, verse number eight, the Bible says, thou hast set our iniquities before thee, our secret sins in the light of thy countenance. May the Lord help us to take a long look and gaze at the holiness of God. And as we stare at the holiness of God, that we would become broken over our carnality and our wickedness. That's what Isaiah experienced, was it not? He said, wow, look at God. Once he got an awesome perspective of the majesty and the marvelousness and the might of our dear God, he then turned and said, woe, W-O-E, woe is me. Would you turn with me in your Bibles back to 2 Corinthians, but going to chapter number 8. 2 Corinthians chapter number 8. A couple of verses here that I had written in my notes the other day, but the Lord completely blinded me from it in my notes as I was preaching. And I believe that he'd have us to mention it here. 2 Corinthians chapter number 8, verse number 10. The Bible says, For godly sorrow worketh repentance. That brokenness as we preached the other night. Godly sorrow worketh repentance to salvation not to be repented of. Verse number 11, the Bible says, For behold, this selfsame thing that ye sorrowed after a godly sort, what carefulness it wrought in you. Isn't that beautiful? When you're genuinely broken over your sin, you're asking God to cleanse you, and you're praying this personal prayer for daily revival, what does it do? It keeps you on your toes. 
To understand the flesh is weak. There are areas you need help in, and it's going to cause you to become more sober-minded about these areas that need help. Carefulness it wrought in you. Yea, what clearing of yourselves. I don't know about you, but there's nothing more wonderful than getting right with God. I tell you what, it's a sweet thing. A man at the altar, uh, or maybe it's on your own. I mean, I tell you what, personally, just getting on your knees, seeking the Lord, and how just that sweet peace of the Holy Spirit comes in, knowing that as you've confessed that genuinely broken before him, he is faithful and just to forgive you and me, and it cleanses us from all unrighteousness, and he forgives and he forgets forever. <laughs> Amen. It's so wonderful. The clearing of yourselves, yea, what indignation the righteous anger, if you will, that we have towards sin, yea, what fear, the fear of God, and, and yea, what vehement desire, that passion to pursue Jesus, yea, what zeal, yea, what revenge. Uh, we want to fight against it, do everything we can to get the victory over it. And could it be that we've lost a carefulness? Could it be that we've lost this joy, this clearing of ourselves? We've lost a righteous uh, anger. We've lost a fear of God. We've lost a vehement desire for holiness and purity. And maybe we've lost zeal genuinely that comes from God, a fire, a sacred fire that burns down deep in our bones. We've lost a revenge against sin because we're not praying, Lord, cleanse me. And as we preached the other day, not seeking to get cleaner, but seeking to get clean period Hebrews 12 14 one of my favorite verses in the Bible follow peace with all men and holiness without which no man shall see the Lord I want to see the king in all his beauty I want, to I want to see and receive the fullness of God's presence just as Moses did and that God would not pass me by and I can experience him personally in my life and it'll affect my marriage and be wholesome and beautiful and sweet and as my wife seeks to do the same as I am in seeking the Lord and it overflows to our children and into the ministry and serving people and soul winning and preaching and all these things. I want that, but it begins with a genuine heart cry, a personal prayer for revival. Lord, cleanse me. I want to see the Lord. And the Bible has given us a promise that we shall see the Lord following peace and holiness. Going back to 2 Corinthians 4, we're going to look at the second prayer. The second prayer. Not only, Lord, cleanse me. I hope you're jotting this down. I really encourage you to do this. Maybe in your Bible, pray through this daily. Number two, Lord, slay me. Lord, slay me. If you'd be so kind to join with me, and we're going to come back to some of these verses here at the very end of the message, but go with me to verse number 10 and verse number 11. Lord, slay me. The Bible says, always bearing about in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus that the life also of Jesus might be made manifest or revealed in our body. For we which live are always delivered unto what? Death. You see that in verse number 11? We are delivered unto death. For whose sake? For Jesus' sake. That the life also of Jesus, not that the life of Caleb Garraway or anyone else, but that the life also of Jesus might be made manifest, revealed in our mortal flesh. Lord, slay me. Help me daily to go forward. And as I'm going forward, my life 
is death. And that way you can live in me and through me. I know there's much of an emphasis of that here in this ministry and it's refreshing and it's wonderful. And the Bible says that we are always delivered unto death. May we constantly be willing to surrender uh, ourselves unto the Lord, to mortify the deeds of the flesh, to cry out and say, Lord, please, not my will, not my wants, not my desires, not my goals, not my career, not my plan, not my this or that, but Lord, what is it that you want me to do? Lord God, what do you have for me? This should be the mindset concerning Lord slay me. Lord, thee first, not me first. Lord, slay me. Let thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. The only way that we will ever have victory over our sinful urges, carnal desires, and fleshly agendas is if we, uh, as the expression goes, die to self and live a crucified life to be slain. Keep your finger here in uh, 2 Corinthians 4. Join with me in Romans chapter number 6. Romans chapter number 6. Uh, we're not going to belabor. We're just trying to uh, go through these truths here and, and really topically study these things. Each of these points, you could take a whole message and develop on it, a series even. Romans chapter number six. I'm trying to fumble my way there, so bear with me. I'm trying to catch up to where everybody else is. Romans six, verse number six. I'm just gonna highlight these things. Briefly, the Bible says, knowing this, that our old man, our sinful flesh, what's the next word? All right, I heard about 10 people. Wonderful, wonderful, wonderful. Where's everybody else at? Here we go. <laughs> Knowing this, I was just joking. I wasn't being serious. <laughs> Knowing this, that our old man, what's the next word? Now, help me out, because I need help. Is that past, present, or future tense? So that means right now. It means then later tonight, as I reflect upon the verse. If the Lord tarries his coming and allows me to live that long, by the time I'm 50 years old, guess what? Caleb Garraway cracks open the word of God. He reads and he studies and he meditates upon and he prays through Romans 6, 6. Guess what? The verse is always ever going to remain in the present tense. This should be my state of being as a child of God. That my old man is... Now, well, it was back then, and you know, since then I've tried to maintain. Blah, blah, blah. No, but it is right now. Dying, as he said, I die daily. Mortify the deeds of the flesh. Always, always, always. That means every moment, every day. Uh, always bearing about the dying of the Lord, crucifying myself, yielding myself to the Lord. Verse number six, let's read it now. Follow along. Knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him. That the body of sin might be destroyed, that henceforth we should not serve sin. Living a crucified life is not an easy thing, to be very transparent. I believe we all know that. We all understand that. Honestly, it's one of the most challenging things you'll, you'll face daily. Our lustful, dictatorial flesh is a vicious adversary. I know mine is ruthless. <laughs> Hungering to yank me about in its self-willed chains and drag me down into crippling captivity. And the flesh, listen, it's gonna fight tooth and nail, kicking and screaming. The flesh doesn't wanna be controlled. It wants to be in control. 
The flesh doesn't want to die to self. It wants to dominate. It wants to bring our spirit for Christ down into subjection. The crucified life uh, is to have a life holy and utterly given over to God in complete humility and obedience. Verse number 12 in Romans 6, look at what the Bible says. Let not sin. It's a choice. Let. You must allow to relinquish. Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body that ye should obey it in the lust thereof. Neither yield your members as instruments of unrighteousness unto sin, but yield yourselves unto God as those that are alive from the dead. And, you're, and that's talking about revival, alive. We're not dead and lethargic, amen? We could use that by way of application. You wanna be alive? You wanna see the hand of God? You wanna see the touch of God in your life? Yield yourselves unto God. 110% all in, uh, going forward for the Lord. Lord, slay me. We must yield ourselves, and notice specifically, your members, everything about your body, everything as instruments of righteousness unto God. For sin shall not have dominion over you. You can have the victory. It's absolutely possible. But it begins with a heart that cries out daily, personally, Lord, slay me. Kill me, O oh God. Mortify. Execute. I want it bleeding on the tree, nailed to a cross so you have free access to live. I am but a vessel. We'll quote from, uh, from uh, Galatians 2.20 shortly. This is so crucial to experiencing victory and revival. Verse number 16, the Bible says, know ye not. God's trying to reason with you and me. Come on, come on. What's, what's going on here? Think, know ye not that to whom ye yield yourselves servants to obey, his servants ye are to whom you obey. <laughs> I'm concerned that we complicate the Christian life. Lord, slay me. Whether of sin and a death or of obedience unto righteousness. The crucified life is a life that, that's completely incompatible with the world's secular sinful lifestyle. We have already alluded to how the fact that we cannot serve two masters. Just listen as I quote in Matthew 16, 24 and 25. Uh, then, Je then said Jesus unto his disciples, if any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross. Why are you carrying a cross? To be nailed to it, to be slain. Are you sitting up straight? You paying attention? You got it? Deny himself, take his cross, and follow me. It's completely incompatible with the world's lifestyle. We are not pursuing them. We're following in the footsteps of Jesus, bearing about the dying of him in us so that way he can live through us. He says, for whosoever shall save his life or you're saving your life for yourself, you're not slaying yourself. It's all about me, my goals, my dreams, my ambitions, me first, not the first. Uh, if any man who will save his life, he shall lose it. God has given you a promise. You're gonna squander your existence and never reach your full potential of what God designed you to experience on a supernatural level if you live life for yourself and never daily and often pray, Lord, slay me. Thank God he's teaching us this in the Bible, amen? I'm so encouraged by it. And there he concludes in Matthew 16, 25, he says, and whosoever will lose his life for my sake shall find it. You know, that's when true living genuinely begins. 
As we said earlier, uh, don't know if I said it in here, but I know I said it to the young people earlier at 9 o'clock. I've never, you know, only traveling 14 years, don't claim to know anything. And still, I still feel wet behind the ears, you know, and such. <laughs> you live as you go, and you learn as you go. Uh, but I mentioned this to them. I said, I've never met anybody. Out of all the people we've been able to meet, I've never met anybody who's lived for God and regrets it. But I've met a lot of people who have lived for themselves, the world, sin, the devil, and they wish they could go back and reclaim wasted years. You live for Jesus Christ, amen? You go forward for God. And to the believer, the crucified life means the absolute death of ego and the preeminent surge of Jesus, only Jesus in one's life. This affects our words, our actions, our thoughts, even our personality. The crucified life is slaying the desires of our flesh that are contrary to Christ. It's slaying my will and agenda that is contrary to what God would have me to do. Oh, Christian, young person, dear friend, anything that comes between me and that beautiful unity with Christ has to be courageously dealt with, smitten with a death blow, done away with, regardless of the cost, in order to experience the true outpouring of God's fullness. Galatians 2.20, how many of you have that memorized? I am crucified. Past, present, future. Present. That should describe our state of being at any moment of the day. If it doesn't, you know what we need to pray? Lord, slay me. I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. Now these hands are not my hands. It's an extension of the hands of God. This heart beats, uh, the heartbeat of God. This mind thinks with the mind of Christ. My eyes, uh, the eyes of Jesus. Uh, these ears, this life. Uh, it's Christ that liveth in me. And the life that I now live in the flesh in this body, I live by the faith. This book of the Son of God, oh, by the way, who loved me and gave himself for me, I don't have to, I get to, yeah. The Christian life is a joyful journey. Lord, slay me. Why die to self? Well, so Jesus can live through you and me. You know, instead of trying harder, just surrender and die more. It's not so hard for Jesus to get the victory over temptation. We heard that preached this week. It's not so hard for Jesus to be bold in witnessing. Jesus can do all things, amen? And that brings us to our third prayer for daily revival, going back to 2 Corinthians chapter number 4. 2 Corinthians chapter number 4, would you look at this as we continue our journey and our study in this? I pray this will be helpful to you. As much as it is, certainly to me, I need this daily. I seek to live by this daily. And once we're slain, we can experience the power of God. The third prayer should be this. Lord, strengthen me. Number one, Lord, cleanse me. Number two, Lord, slay me. Number two, Lord, strengthen me. Would you look at what the Bible says here in 2 Corinthians chapter number 4, verse number 16. 2 Corinthians 4, verse number 16. The Bible says, for which cause we faint not, but though our outward man perish, yet the inward man is renewed day by day. Jump back to verse number seven. We'll read verse number seven down to verse number nine. Um, are, are you there? Are you there? Verse number seven. All right. The Bible says, for we have this treasure, this privilege of serving God, sharing the gospel with the lost world, as we'll mention here in conclusion in a little bit. Uh, but we have this treasure in earthen vessels 
We know who we are. We're, we're nothing. And he is everything. And as we said earlier this week, I don't know if he caught it, but when we yield our nothingness to his everythingness, <laughs> then something can be done that will make an eternal impact. We have this treasure in earthen vessels. Notice that the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. Certainly, sure, we are troubled on every side, yet not distressed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, man, things are hard. It's not easy. But man, guess what? They're able to keep on keeping on. They have not quit. They've not thrown the towel. They're able to get up and go on the next day, put one foot in front of the other. But ultimately, it's not them. It's not their power. It's the power of God uh, that is working within them, that is anointed upon them. Uh, Lord, strengthen me, persecuted, but not forsaken, cast down, but not destroyed, always bearing about in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus. Lord, strengthen me. Lord, give me the mental capacity I need God, give me the mental stability I need. God, give me the emotional surety that I need. Give me the physical strength, the spiritual stamina. I'm thankful Philippians 4.13 is in the Bible. I can do all things through Christ, which strengtheneth me. Such a glorious thing that we don't have to figure this thing out on our own, try to function on our own. Uh, I don't have to do any task in my own power or strength. There is a sustaining and strengthening force, uh, a supernatural power that comes from God helping, as we heard the last message. He is our very present help. That strength is there. He's equipping. He's enabling. Praise God. We're talking about the God that specializes in the miraculous, that uh, does miracles. Uh, uh, there's nothing too hard for him to handle. All power is given unto him, and now he's making it available unto his children. All of us, and we know it to be true, this is more of a review type of a message, a compilation of several things that we've heard over many years, even this week, having heard preached on it. Lord, uh, cleanse me. Lord, slay me. Lord, strengthen me. Every single one of us desperately need the strength of Jesus Christ and the power of the Holy Spirit. Listen just for a moment, please. If we stubbornly perform the work of the ministry, and go about our day in the function of the flesh, we will soon become weary in the well-doing. Even come to a place where we're blinded by our own pride, arrogance, and feeble, barely-making-it ability. Before long, we will grow exhausted with the performance-driven hypocrisy our flesh is seeking to maintain. And then, if it's not taken care of, we will fizzle out to a cold-hearted, backslidden state of spiritual existence. No power. No victory. No overcoming. we got to get back to the basics. Lord, strengthen me. All things you pray, believing, you shall receive. This is solid scripture. We must take him at his word. By faith, we believe, therefore we ask, knowing full well that he will always keep what he's promised. And he wants to strengthen, but he's looking for his children to ask. Lord, strengthen me. Could it be this is why moms are wore out and fatigued with their chores and with the children, you know, and the constant workload? Mothers are not praying, Lord, strengthen me. 
Fathers and husbands are not being the men and leaders of the home that they should be. Young people growing exhausted from their schooling and their studies. Preachers are feeble and, and dull in their sermons. Teachers fumbling with their lessons, trying to, to make it through just another class period. Uh, it's because we're not dependent upon the strength of Christ and the power of the Holy Spirit. The truth of the matter is, it's, it's not the hard work that breaks down people. It's not. Because the outward man perisheth, but the inward man is renewed day by day. It's not the hard work that breaks down people. It's the toil of working without strength and power. If we're not careful, we'll substitute men's measure of success. We'll substitute men's measure of success. Oh, look at what we can do. We'll substitute it for what could be done in the power of the Holy Ghost and strength of Jesus Christ. We settle for what can be done in the flesh. We get results, but in all reality, compared to what God could have done, they're meager, anemic, erratic at best, nowhere close to what God is capable of doing, and we're satisfied, could it be? God, forgive us of this. I don't presume that to be the case uh, here in this ministry or among us, but I'm praying that if we are guilty of this, that God would break us about it, that God would use this as a warning for us to never function in the flesh, Amen. If we're not careful, we'll become satisfied with what can be accomplished and produced in our own energy through our flesh. And ultimately, when the day is done, the life has been lived, we'll sit empty. It's true. We'll sit empty. Not knowing, never discovering, never realizing, never experiencing what God by his mighty power could have accomplished in and through our lives and our churches. The fact of the matter is this, God's work attempted in man's power will always result in failure. God's work attempted in man's power will always result in fizzling out over a handful of decades and be done. You know, I'm of the persuasion, maybe I'm crazy, maybe, you're, maybe you think I am, I don't know, <laughs> maybe I am crazy. But God starts a church. I don't think God wants any church to die. Why should a church, well, you know, 60 years and then it just got, I don't believe that is a goal that the Lord has. Is it not the church of the living God? <laughs> he is alive forevermore. You know, it's wonderful. Uh, sometimes in, in some southern states, uh, we're all over the place uh, across the country and such. And when, when we do uh, go down uh, to the south, there's some churches, and even though the east and Virginia, there's some churches that we preached in that have been around since the 1700s. And that is just, pardon my, my expression here, but that is cool. <laughs> I mean, it's wonderful, you know? It started out as a Baptist church. It's still an independent, fundamental Baptist church going forward for God, reaching a community and lost souls from hell. Amen. Been around for all these centuries. May that be the case of this church and this institution and these ministries. May we understand this, that God's work attempted in God's power will result and make a supernatural, generational, eternal difference. Amen. And guess what, brethren, sisters? We can be a part of this and see God work. I'll be my, the first to raise my hand. I want to see God work. Amen. But you know what? Caleb Garrow has to pray. Lord, cleanse me. Lord, slay me. Lord, strengthen me. 
Number four, and we're almost through. Lord, stir me. Lord, stir me. Would you see what the Bible says in verse number 17 and verse number 18? The Bible says here in 2 Corinthians 4, verse number 17, for our light affliction, which is but for a moment, worketh for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. I, I want to preach that so bad. We're going to move on. While we look not at the things which are what? Seen. But what are we looking at? The things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. Uh, the fourth prayer, that I, a personal prayer for daily revival, I pray this, Lord, stir me. In light of this passage of Scripture, what God is seeking to teach us is this, Lord, help me to see things as you see them. Stir my heart to have a heavenly perspective that, that give me uh, and be thou my vision, Lord. Uh, I don't want to settle for the earthly or for the materialistic. I don't want to be focused on the temporal. Help me to be focused on the eternal. As we preach this morning, and just listen as I remind us of it in Psalm 119, verse number 37. Turn away mine eyes from beholding vanity and quicken thou me in thy way. Stir me, O Lord Jesus. Help me to realize that my life is but a vapor and that I should not be focused and consumed and concerned and committed unto the earthly and to the fleshly and to the carnal and the temporal. But God, you want my life committed and sold out, a heart that is all in for the things that matter most, the things of eternity. I'm concerned that when I die someday, by the way, I shouldn't even be here. I should be dead. Miraculous how God has spared my life. I believe that once we're five minutes inside of eternity, I'm concerned about this. We'll wish we had sacrificed more. Wept more. Loved more. Prayed more. Given more. Witnessed more. Done more. So you know what we need to do? Pray, Lord, stir me. You know, we can't get into a time machine. There are moments in our life, I'll be the first to raise my hand. There are moments in my life I wish I could go back and, and take advantage of the opportunity God gave, and I didn't. But you know what? I can't get into a time machine and change the past. But the Lord's given me today. This is the day which the Lord hath made. I'll rejoice and be glad in it. God, what is it that you have? God, lead me. But if I'm not focused on the eternal and I'm focused on the temporal, I will miss out on the divine appointments and opportunities that God has for me. So Caleb Garraway needs to fall flat on his face in some private prayer closet or Caleb Garraway needs to pace around in his hotel room. He needs to seek the Lord and wrestle with God even physically and mentally and emotionally and spiritually and say, God, stir me, God. Help my heart to be ignited with the right kind of perspective. Don't let my life settle for the temporal. Help me to soar as we've been preaching all week, all the messages for what matters most in the eternal. Um, I presume you're familiar with Nate Saint, the missionary who was martyred for his faith. Nate Saint, he said this. He said, people ask why in the world we waste our lives as missionaries. They forget that they too are expending their lives and when the bubble has burst, they will have nothing of eternal significance to show for the years they have wasted. Wow, <laughs> very convicting quote, isn't it? 
Let's pray, Lord, stir me. And number five, and lastly, as we conclude, Lord, use me. Lord, would you please use me? Verse number three down to verse number seven. The Bible says here in our text, but if our gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are lost. In whom the God of this world hath blinded. You understand it's a spiritual warfare, right? The devil's trying to keep people lost. You understand that? Blinded. What are we supposed to do? To open their eyes. Remember that from last night? Turn them from the power of Satan unto God, a spiritual warfare. Lord, use me. In whom the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them which believe not. Why? Lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. For we preach not ourselves. Why? We're slain. We're crucified. It's not about us. It's all about Jesus. For we preach not ourselves, but Christ Jesus the Lord, and ourselves, your servants, for Jesus' sake. For God, who commanded the light to shine out of darkness, hath shined in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. But we have this treasure in earthen vessels. The excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. Lord, use me. Use me in the moment today. Lord, who is it that you'd have me to reach? What gospel track would you have me to put out and give? I was checking out of the hotel this morning and uh, the clerk behind the counter, I, I said, sir, are you a born-again Christian? I just asked him. He was a nice man. Are you a born-again Christian? I asked him just like that. He said, uh, yeah, I am. His eyes kind of widened. He wasn't expecting that sort of question. And it wasn't like, you know, lifting the voice so the whole room could hear, you know, are you saved? No, but are you a born-again Christian? Yeah, yes, sir, I am. I said, that's wonderful. Praise the Lord. I'd love to give you my card. And I gave him the gospel film card. There's a film there. You can scan that QR code and watch that. Would you share that with someone? Oh, thank you, thank you. There was a gentleman in the elevator, uh, a nurse, a gentleman, uh, an Indian gentleman and um, such. And we struck up a conversation and was able to give him a card. Just looking for divine appointments. I have no idea. Probably never see him again in my life, I presume. While God gave me a moment in time, there's an opportunity for impact. Lord, use me. The last verse, and we're literally 45 seconds out from praying. Would you turn with me to Psalm 2? Psalm 2, verse number 8. Let's, let's look at this. This verse has transformed my life many years ago concerning evangelism and even seeking to reach the world. I pray this has been an encouragement to you. Personal prayers for daily revival. Psalm 2, verse number 8. Lord, please cleanse me. Lord, slay me. Lord, strengthen me. Lord, stir me. Lord, use me. Use me. All things, we pray, believing ye shall receive. Psalm 2, verse number 8. The Bible says this. Ask. Those who ask, they shall receive, right? Ask. Of me, and I shall give thee the heathen for thine inheritance, and the uttermost parts of the earth for thy possession. May I challenge you? Let's see with anticipation and expectation what God can do in us and through us. Let's charge and experience revival.
Father, use these things. Help us, Lord. Help us to be a needy people. Help us to never get to a place where we, come, where we become comfortable in our life where we do not pray these things. Lord, I believe that the man, the woman, the individual that's seeking to live out these truths will understand their great need to continually pray through these things and seek to ever live these things moment by moment. Thank you for 2 Corinthians chapter number 4 where we find you highlighting these principles throughout the text. We've gleaned from it. Help us now to be able to go forward and experience a resolved Christian life that's determined to go forward as we saw a couple of times in the text. We faint not. We won't quit, but we're going to stay faithful till our final breath. 